a podcast where we talk to people about their jobs and find different ways there are to make money. I am one of your hosts, Jen. I almost said I was Joyce again. Nice, nice. If if that's the case, then hi, I'm Jen. <laughs> but no, I'm Joyce. But that's Joyce. Uh, <laughs> it is a weird – I it, it's – Maybe just one time I need to do it to get it out of my system because nice. it's just – it's a sneeze feeling. Like I just want to say <laughs> – and I'm Joyce. Yeah, you got to let it out. You got to get it out. Yeah. Maybe mm-hmm. one one time we can record the podcast and we can try to act like the other person. Okay. Oh, that's going to be hard because you got the jokes. You got the jokes on the ready and I, 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 I don't and, always. And you ask very good questions and are very thoughtful and <laughs> like <laughs> – <laughs> and I just find ways to just like shit talk Yelp whenever I can. I was just editing one of our podcasts and um, I think that there's like at least a, a solid 10 minutes of just me going in on Yelp. There's some great Easter eggs in our um, our episodes. I've been going back to like earlier seasons and listening to them. And yeah, there are definitely Easter eggs and there's definitely ongoing themes. Yelp is one of them. <laughs> um, also, I guess it's a good good time to bring up that the uh, bounty for anyone finding my fan fiction that's is still out one. there. I'll, yeah, that's right. That's the other one. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll give someone a $35 gift certificate to Etsy. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. you can find my fanfic, just a couple of updates on stats. Uh, it's been viewed by over a hundred thousand people by now. It's got around, I'd say, like nine hundred likes on it. Wait, is so that, that for real? Is it? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But that's incredible. The thing is, is if you, but if you like, when you get into fan fiction, dumb, you realize how there's just so much. There's so much, and I would say that what I just told you is uh, just above, like, low-tier viewers. Or mi- mm. I would say maybe it's mid-tier, but, like, so- I mean, people go nutso-cuckoo for the this stuff. Um, I don't know, man. Those are some I, great stats because we don't know our stats. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> <Yeah>. when- <laughs> so if you're listening, maybe like send us an email because I ca- I cannot figure out how to log into Spotify. So we can't see how many people are listening on Spotify. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and I bet our guest oh is cringing at this. Oh my gosh. Wait, that's such a good segue. Um, I'm so excited for this guest. Um I'm just going to go ahead and hard segue to introducing Justin. Yay. Hey. Yay. <laughs> I mean, I can cut it later, but I do feel like it's important knowledge that we were all coworkers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We were yeah. like, yeah. yeah, we were kind of a dream team together, I thought. Deep in it, yeah. We had a revolutionary spreadsheet that no one be- – like, you know, we just – we stuck to it and, you know, it's somewhere in the depths of Google Sheets now, but it was it was really an outstanding piece of work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was brilliant. I thought so. Yeah. But, uh, Justin, how about you go ahead and let us know what it is that you do? Yeah, so I've had a couple, like – 
different titles kind of throughout my career, but I'd say a sort of overarching theme is business intelligence. So currently uh, in sort of the market analytics realm, but looking at uh, supply and demand, pricing, uh, and several other themes that happy to, to dig into more, but yeah, generally like business intelligence. That's so It kind of cool. sounds like CIA. I was it, just going to say the same like thing. kind of totally spy stuff, like, mm-hmm. like business intelligence. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, do you have to go undercover for your work? Uh, not yet, but anything is possible. You, you never know. Oh my god, um, we're gonna yeah, we're gonna yeah. find this podcast like wiped from the internet one day, and we're like, what happened? It's like, where's Justin? Oh. Why can't we get a hold of him? <laughs> yeah, so I'll, I'll use a, a a fake name if and when that happens. So we'll we'll be good. Okay, great. Yeah, don't want to get in the way of the podcast. Um, so I, based off of you saying that uh, you've had a couple of different titles, what was your gateway into? getting into this line of work or were you just kind of straight out the gate, you were business intelligence or did you have to work your way up through different roles to get to this point? Yeah, definitely uh, worked my way kind of through a a few different roles. So after college, I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do. I'd studied um, material science engineering. So I wasn't sure if I wanted to go down that kind of more technical path ended up finding my way into consulting. Um, and through that, uh, you know, worked a lot in spreadsheets, more in sort of like a business analyst type of hmm. uh, work. And that kind of evolved into now that we, you know, I can get an understanding of the product or, or like what is happening with the data, make sort of recommendations around what should we do about this information and that morphed into kind of the business strategy side of things. And hmm. you mentioned business analyst. Is that is does that fall under the umbrella of business intelligence or is that slightly different? Yeah, I think there's several different models with like business analytics. Uh, I was listening to the data science podcast y'all did with Jana. Um <laughs> And, you know, she talked a lot about business analytics as well. So I think there's a lot of overlap kind of in more data-oriented roles with with business analytics. Um, but yeah, some of the other kind of titles that I've had have been business analyst, business operations, but generally sort of melding the data and then the kind of business direction and strategy around what we should do with the data that we're collecting. And so you were, you went to school for material engineering? Yeah. So did you ever hold any role that was associated with that degree or, because I'm just curious when, when it changed for you that you decided to go away from that and go and stick with the business analyst, business intelligence side? Yeah. So I actually, um, stayed in school for an extra year and did a master's in entrepreneurship. Um, And so with that, similar in some ways to an MBA, very uh, focused on kind of Mm. corporate strategy, um, but rather than looking at kind of how a typical MBA strategy class is taught, how do you build up barriers to entry and protect what is yours? We took more of the approach of how do you navigate 
existing incumbents and take market share and kind of grow your business. Um, so I had looked at opportunities for kind of combining mm -hmm. what I had studied and did join a, a small startup working on kind of in the semiconductor space right out of college. Um, mm. didn't, and that would be material engineering, semiconductors? Yeah, yeah. So okay. I focus on, on kind of semiconductors within the material space. Um, so, you know, they didn't end up getting additional funding. And that's when I went into the consulting route and the dark side of, of the business. Did you like the consulting? Dark side. Uh, <laughs> Is consulting the dark side? Yeah, I you just, just the, yeah, the I've never heard it. in general <laughs> um. making, you know, making the decisions around like uh, you know, I I Jen, you talk a lot about the like voice of the customer and doing things that are right for the customer and you know, sometimes it's well, you know, we got to make money when we do this and <laughs> don't always love that approach. We love to, you know, give everything away for free, but at the end of the day, we do need to make money as a business and pay everyone's salaries and all that good stuff. So as a consultant, that was you having to come in and tell people maybe the hard truths? Uh, yeah, we we mostly focused on kind of like market expansion stuff. So there are yeah. consultants that come in in like difficult situations and do turnarounds. Um, that mm -hmm. wasn't specifically what I was doing. So I uh, didn't have to have as many of those hard conversations, but more about the opportunity that these companies were facing and, you know, how do you launch this new product? How do you, um, you know, bridge like between organizations and break down those silos and get better collaboration in an organization? So based on that, um, how, how was that experience as a consultant kind of using um, the, the analytics to, to encourage some of the business decisions? How is that practice different as a consultant than as a business intelligist? Um, I think there was a, a lot of overlap. So it was a kind of natural mm -hmm. transition. The main difference is that as a consultant, you're kind of on loan to a company for a short period of time mm -hmm. uh, versus in-house and, you know, able to get, especially in, in kind of the business intelligence work I've been doing more recently, able to get really that depth of knowledge around a specific market or marketplace around mm. all of the dynamics that go along with it. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the, especially in like the 2010s kind of uh, Silicon Valley business operations or biz ops was like a, you know, very common uh, function that a lot of these uh, growth companies had. And right. I'd say that was like really consulting, like internal management consulting is kind of how oh. a lot of those functions were set up. Mm -hmm. Um, and where, you know, at some past companies that have had a more operational component, uh, business operations, like the title that I had was less directly like that management consulting and did involve mm -hmm. some of that operational component, working with folks uh, in the field and sales and support on yeah. um, like the actual operations of the business. Whereas the, you know, the, the tech companies were more of a software product that didn't have as much of the physical operation. 
So like on any given day where you're working, what would you say, like maybe nine to five, uh, let us know what your schedule's like, but tell us like, are you doing a lot of meetings? Is it a lot of downtime to work on the projects that you have to do? Maybe map out how your day looks. Yeah, it's definitely one of those functions that no two days are the same. Hmm. Um, also, like even within a, a company, um, but certainly across companies, the uh, responsibilities vary some, but the schedule varies pretty wildly. Um, at my hmm. past company, I was in probably 30 hours of meetings a week, if not more. It was yeah. pretty absurd, um, hmm. just running from place to place. Um, currently it's more like five to 10 hours of meetings a week. So I find myself with a lot more time to actually sit down and work on kind of those meteor problems. Um, and what that looks like usually involves Excel or, or sheets and, you know, really digging into large data sets, um, trying to understand trends or, um, where things are going. And then there's sort of a data visualization component to it as well, where now that I've got this information, how do you package and present that in a digestible format? So utilizing SQL or other tools to pull the specific subset of data I'm looking at, and then use, using visualization softwares, whether that's Looker, Power BI, uh, Periscope, you know, a bunch of options out there. We used Periscope at the mutual place, didn't we? That's, yeah. The the word was triggering, or like it, it was. Uh, it, 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 it it brought me back somewhere, and I just needed. Okay, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> love that Periscope. Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Sorry to just drill into that. What are the hard skills that you need in your job, such as you know being able to write SQL, being an Excel mm-hmm. expert? Like, can you roll down the list of the things that? If someone wanted to go into a career like this, what are the things that they should start focusing on or should continue to get good at? Yeah, I think Excel is a must. Um, really going to be digging into to data and then um, a lot of times building tools for the, the business to use, whether that's like a spreadsheet to track KPIs or to summarize the the data in a meaningful way. So leveraging pivot tables and lookups and um, macros in some cases as well. So yeah, really getting deep into Excel. I'd say SQL is a a very common tool. Um, Every company, again, it depends on the way that their data is structured, how much a business intelligence individual would be actually like pulling that themselves and needing SQL or, or, um, or like, you know, if the data engineering group has set those up in a Mm -hmm. kind of more self-service way where there's, there's less, uh, technical side needed, usually like a larger company, um, a business intelligence individual would be kind of more focused on the analysis diagnosis recommendation and less on the data management, but at a, mm. at a smaller company or having to go upstream a bit more in self-service. Um, but yeah, aside, aside from those, 
Um, I think like communication and influencing is another key thing. So I'll often kind of the result of spending those couple hours in Excel will be that, you know, I come up with some business finding that, hey, we are buying something at too high of a price mm. for what we can sell it for. We're not going to make money between A and B. We need to, you know, lower what we're paying for this. Um, and so then it's how do you convince the sales rep or whoever is going out and procuring it, you know, we need to lower our pricing or, mm -hmm. you know, find some other way to, um, you know, still hit our volume goals without, uh, compromising economics or, you know, could be the other way where there's opportunity to lower spread and increase volumes and kind of finding those balances. But, um, yeah, really needing to influence those, um, kind of other management stakeholders. And can I just say, you did, when we worked together, I was, I was always in awe about how, like, I mean, Joyce, I don't know if you, like, ever noticed this, but, like, whatever Justin said was, like, law. Like, yeah. I, I just, you, there was a command of the information that I felt that, and I, I would want to, I'm curious, like, how you felt maybe you cultivated that or maybe I'm completely seeing it from a different perspective on the outside, but it felt like you had the data, but you also had a way of sharing it in such a concise way that at every level, like C-suite would be on board with you. Like, and so I, I was personally always really impressed, <laughs> but I don't know if that's how it, like, if it was easier, easier said than done from like my perspective, but like, what do you think attributed to like that soft skill of being compelling with the information that you had? Yeah, I think it was a combination of a, a few things. One, the way that the data was structured at that company, it was very difficult for most users to access it. So mm -hmm. it wasn't necessarily an even playing field, which, um, is something that, you know, in later years we worked to solve and, and yeah. is not a model that I recommend going after, but, um, but a lot of startups kind of start that way. Like I, I've worked at several companies where you have to, you have a come to Jesus moment with your data and you finally like, cause it's just a really like heavy lift to fix it. You mean but like, like they start off with like imperfect data that is hard to read. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's definitely part of the growing up process of a startup. Right. Um, but yeah, since, since I had the ability to pull that information, it was, you know, easier than to get that buy-in because I was able to back up the recommendations with what was actually happening. You know, customers were doing X, Y, Z. So therefore, you know, we could move forward. Um, but yeah, it, yeah, it's also one of those things that takes... I'd say a lot of like practice and iteration, you know, you may have be remembering fondly some of those <laughs> positive conversations. There were plenty of times where, you know, I would come with a recommendation that would get shot down or, uh, you know, would, would move in a different direction. So, but, but even, even those like stressful conversation, I feel like, like your, your, your voice was a voice of reason. Like, yes. Like, it was definitely not um, an environment in which, like, like you would 
I don't know, like you wouldn't say anything that was not founded or backed by data. And and I like I I agree with Jen that I think that like you were especially good at that. Um and I wonder if that's just kind of like a characteristic that needs to be cultivated in anyone in this kind of role, do you yeah. think? Yeah, I think there's there's really sort of two phases to a lot of the work that I do. The first one is like highly inquisitive, asking why a bunch. Right. And mm -hmm. as I'm digging into the data, testing hypotheses, testing the edge cases, you know, if price went down to zero, what would happen? If price was at infinity, mm. what would happen? And like mm -hmm. understanding like stress testing sort of the the mm -hmm. system. And then once I feel good about how, you know, whatever recommendation is being made, um, that's where it really gets into sort of the like packaging and influencing piece. Mm -hmm. um, and, and yeah, that, I mean, takes a lot of uh, practice to, to get there. So, you know, when we all worked together, that was, you know, I had had several years of experience mm. before then doing right. similar things at other companies that, you know, mm -hmm. probably had a lower success rate <laughs> with the influencing there than I did, um, you know, later on. I always pictured you as like the, um, I've never seen the movie, but like in Gladiator, when the guy does the thumbs up, thumbs down. Uh, and it was like, if there was ever a debate about something, it would kind of turn to you and you would just be like, yes, no. And then it would be like, it is so Justin has spoken. I don't know if I'm like completely remembering things wrong, but I just remembered like in the, in certain meetings, if there was a disagreement, you kind of had the final say when it came to what, um, what a data or like what a data set was or what a data outcome was. Uh, <laughs> we're just we're just making Justin so uncomfortable because we I'm are sorry. his two biggest fans, and we're this whole episode is just about how incredible Justin is. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a good thing the video's off. I'm sure I'm <laughs> blushing right now. <laughs> uh, no, but, but that yeah, I, oh, yeah, go for I, it. I, I think the like having that like. The first six months I was at that company, I was like solely in the data, like mm. not in the, the sort of like influencing position and just really like spending the time to learn about the market, learn about the industry, learn about our specific uh, customers and their, how they interacted with the product and their tendencies and all that. And so... Mm -hmm. Like having that kind of like depth of knowledge then mm -hmm. made it easier to like make the connections between the different parts of the business. So when, right, right. you know, sales was saying one thing and operations was saying something else, you could kind of find ways. And, and this is where maybe I would, you know, look for the sort of like mutually beneficial, like, Hey, we're actually kind of saying the same thing when mm. we need to sell more widgets and people are sitting idle. You know, if we sold more widgets, people would be busier. And then, mm -hmm. you know, that's a very simplistic example, but, you know, trying to find ways in which there's 
you know, oftentimes like it's more of a communication than truly like if two people are pulling data and getting to very different conclusions, like that's a broader problem with the business that mm. needs to be addressed. Either the data is not in a friendly enough format that people are pulling wrong conclusions or mm. something really like incentives are not aligned if two people are wanting to do completely different things. That's smart. Yeah. And, and not, not like, um, maybe because we've all worked t- together and seen you in that like pretty like strategic role. Um, maybe I'm a, like, I'm a feeling a little bit more biased as to like what business intelligence entails. And so I guess like in general, do these roles tend to be very broad and strategic because of just the nature of like that depth and that understanding of like the broad business at that level? Um, I mean, I can't speak for, for every company, but I, I do think there's, there's sort of a core kind of function around the market and, and like market dynamics is, you know, something I'll, I'll discuss a lot, both in my past role and currently, which is, you know, around the supply and demand and how that mm-hmm. impacts price. And mm-hmm. um, so like getting that depth of knowledge in that area allows you to make those connections to other parts of the business where, mm-hmm. hey, our supply is outpacing demand we should spend marketing dollars to drive up more demand so that we don't end up just with a warehouse full of goods that mm-hmm. we're not selling. Yeah, this might be like a little bit of a tangent, but I, I, I'd love to hear, I would love to get your thoughts on um, kind of the world and the tools that have opened up in AI, especially mm. because as you as you kind of talk through that knowledge uh, that depth and understanding of like marketplaces and um, and even like the current state of whatever industry that you are focused on, have you have you seen that your space has adopted more like AI tools to help you in that analysis and that research? Or um, if not, like curious how you think about it, just based off of your experience in this space so far. Yeah, I think there's kind of two areas one a little bit more serious um which is sort of the like again going back to that kind of data science conversation and there's definitely a overlap around the business analytics and you know a data scientist that can understand the uh like forecasting machine learning prediction kind of models and also how those tie into the business and business outcomes mm-hmm. starts to blend very closely with many aspects of business intelligence mm. um and so you know there's there's definitely an element of of what i do relating to forecasting and so being able to get better at predicting future market conditions, predicting future prices by leveraging historic data is something that I think the kind of AI space can like is starting to make a large impact in and, Mm -hmm. you know, the kind of leading indicators and prediction and things that will help you understand where a market is headed allows you to make the smarter decision today. Um, Mm -hmm. 
So that's one like kind of direct application. The other one that is, you know, a little bit wishy today, um, slash I still need to do a lot of fact checking, but, you know, sometimes I'm pulling up, you know, doing research on a particular industry of, Mm -hmm. you know, how many, uh, houses are sold every year in the U S and, you know, what, what was that? data set or like how many houses, cars, whatever widgets have been sold in, you know, since 2010 to, to present. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can spend time on Google and right. find some data set or pay for some data set, whatever, and like build that out. Mm-hmm. Or like I've been recently kind of testing chat GPT and, you know, would mm. ask that question there and like, it'll spit out an answer and like, increasingly so that answer is like close enough for, especially for a forecasting purpose of like how many houses are going to sell in 2030. Like mm. you can get the kind of trend and there's enough variability in the, you know, where that forecast range is going to be that it'll be a close enough answer. So it can kind of expedite some of that research phase of getting up right. to speed with a particular market. Yeah. I was going to ask about that. So there is the component of what you analyze within the business's data, but then how much of your job is actually doing extracurricular research beyond just the data set that is being captured from, you know, the company's data infrastructure? Are you doing a, a, a fair share of I mean what you're saying like market research? Like how much does that mm-hmm. actually factor into your day-to-day? I think it depends a lot on the company and, and sorry, it's going to be my answer for most of these questions is it depends. That's fair. It's fair. Yeah. That was like the first thing they taught us in consulting. The answer is always it depends. Um, but you but always expand a, on after it depends. So that's like, if it was just, it depends and then that's it, then, Hey, maybe we'd have a problem, but you always give us more, you know? And in, in, in the consulting episode, I think Terry even said that like she was she was talking about how most of her answers are going to be it depends so it's it seems like it's like a common trend yeah well that that's actually the answer it, it depends nothing else <laughs> oh um, come on <laughs> the uh I, I think one of the biggest factors is the type of business so where mm-hmm. we all work together was a you know b2c mm-hmm. to you know to consumer company and so mm-hmm. most of the data that we were looking at was consumer data either you know what actions were they taking on the website and how likely was that for them to convert to purchase or you know further down the funnel what are they liking not liking are they satisfied with purchase etc and so it was mostly looking kind of within the the direct company or kind of the close competitors and like near Mm -hmm. near sort of market like kind of you know need a a view of the entire market to understand our market share and our place within that Mm -hmm. currently i'm at a b2b company Mm. that is kind of on the um and so a lot of what i'm looking at like there's an, an understanding still of like the market and our kind of place within that but we also need to understand our customers 
and their supply chain and where we fit within that supply chain. And so there's sort of a broader industry view that we're building out Mm. um, and less specific on like, what is our customer behavior? Because we we have 10 order of 10 customers. And so like, we don't Mm -hmm. need to guess, we can just have a conversation with them. Hey, do you want to buy our stuff? Why or why not? Um, you talked a little bit about how you, you got into this space. Um, but curious, like for others who may be interested in going into, to this, do you, do you also recommend going down the path of like consulting and then kind of taking, um, a jump into more business intelligence or do you, do you recommend kind of like a different direct path? Um, I think there's all sorts of paths, you know, it depends, um, yeah. <laughs> consulting, Drinking game. Yeah. <laughs> I think consulting was, was for the people who didn't know what they wanted to be when they grew up. Mm. So like, yeah. it was a good, you know, I've built some skills. I've learned some things in college. How can I start to apply those and like learn how the real world works? Mm-hmm. Um, but there have been folks, uh, on my team that, have come up through the organization and have like understood the business and then got into the data and are able to more easily make connections to the business, having Mm. experienced it firsthand. Mm -hmm. Um, There are folks who study more kind of like math science fields that go directly into some form of business analytics Mm-hmm. kind of work. Um, so yeah, I, I don't think there's necessarily one path to get there. Um, but the general traits, like there has to be a sort of curiosity to in desire to dig into a lot of data and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, willing to like not jump to conclusions too quickly and do mm. those sort of stress tests like I was talking about. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I'm trying to think of what other traits might might be. Well, but. I, just you saying that, uh, not to be stereotypical or on the surface, but the idea of maybe someone that just loves data, go, is in the math and science, but it sounds like from what you're saying, there's a significant component to this job that is the soft skills and the people skills. Mm-hmm. So there, there's sometimes a, uh, almost like a, I guess, a stereotypical contrast between interests of, you know, it's it's a people job, but it's also highly analytical. So it's this like blending of two things. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm a, a pretty heavy introvert. And so definitely when I was in the 30 plus hours of meetings a week, like that was extremely draining. Yeah. But I felt like I was able to more easily have those conversations because I could fall back to the analytics work that I had done. Mm. And it wasn't like as, as much needing to like have this conversation just without structure to it. I was Mm -hmm. able to shape the structure of the conversation based on Mm -hmm. the findings that I I came to. Now, I do think there's other approaches and having, especially on a larger team of 
business intelligence, having different viewpoints and and backgrounds, Mm. I think is extremely valuable. So Mm -hmm. someone who might not have, uh, you know, a STEM background can, as long as they have that willingness and ability to dig into the data, but Mm -hmm. maybe excel a bit more in the presenting and stakeholder influence and that component. Um, You know, I think there's a ton of value in that. They also might find different trends or make connections that someone who is solely, I want to crunch these numbers would come Mm -hmm. to. Right. Well, that makes me think about um, what would, how would you define success for someone in this job? Like what, how do you, like, what are those moments where you're like, yeah, that's it. You're, you're, you're killing it in this. Yeah. So I think a cleat, uh, having kind of that, a success metric and, you know, going back to, I, I definitely fall more on the analytics side of things. So having like, well, if we have a measurable goal and we, if we achieve that goal, that's success. Um, and so, you know, often the work that I'm doing ties to some business outcome, whether it's increasing sales or, uh, you know, improving margins on a product, you know, whatever it is, um, a successful outcome is understanding why we're not achieving that today where the opportunities are, and then getting that buy-in of mm-hmm. here's what we need to do to then achieve this goal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, like the, what you said about how the depth of the the knowledge of the data and the understanding of how things are working together um, actually fuels your ability to have those conversations and have those, you know, the um, the strategic like debates, I guess, if you will. Um, it resonates a ton with me because I remember thinking like, oh, if I only had more time to like dig into this, like this could be a lot more interesting. So I feel like in a lot of ways, like what the role sounds very interesting to me because of the fact that you can, you can pursue that creative or that curiosity as well as creativity to kind of like figure out, like find the patterns, find the, the, the different components that kind of you want to, match together and then be able to come to like interesting conclusions as a, as a result of that. So like, that's an area that I feel like could be very motivating and rewarding. Um, but like, I'm curious what, what other parts of the, the day-to-day job, the, the kind of your experience in, in the progression of your career in the space, what, what about it kind of like gives you the most energy? Yeah, I, I think what you mentioned is a, is a huge component of it. So I'm six months into my new role. And for the first four months, I was, you know, trying to be a sponge as much as possible, just learning about the industry. There was a lot of kind of banging my head against the wall, though, of like, this isn't really making sense. Mm. How do these pieces fit together? but then it, you know, it starts to click after a while. And mm-hmm. now really the last couple of months has been, I'd say more energizing, more rewarding where, um, you know, get a business question or 
a, just a general question of like what what's happening with this segment of the business and mm -hmm. I can actually come up with recommendations, which is, you know, something mm -hmm. that I couldn't do a few months ago. So, um, you know, I think there's a, a definite sense of progress and learning early on, a, 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 you know, a, a difficult ramp, but definitely a ramp period. And then um, it's really about kind of fitting the pieces of the puzzle together and, mm -hmm um seeing where well you know we we're kind of capped on what we can sell our product for because no one's going to buy it if we charge too much um and you know working back from that here's what it costs us to make it what can we actually pay to get our raw materials mm -hmm. are there ways to automate and you know not just accept that today it costs a dollar to produce a widget mm -hmm. if we were to you know, change our manufacturing technique, could we get that to 50 cents and uh, continuing to question and, and try to find other ways to put the puzzle together. That sounds so delightful. Like it does. You're, you're, yeah, you're scratching that, like that engineer itch in me that like is like, oh my gosh, like that sounds so satisfying to like problem solve those pieces together. The The puzzle piece analogy is like, Oh my goodness. And it sounds like Jen, you you're also lighting up too. <laughs> I, yeah. But I okay, I I'm sure I told you guys this story, but the one thing that I don't think I have to be able to do this job is the not jumping to conclusions part because I I almost caused a catastrophe at one of my last places because there was a strain on resources to do certain lookups with SQL and we were using Looker. And I figured out how to like go in and I was teaching myself Looker and I was doing joins and everything. I was feeling like, you know, hot shit. And I did this, you know, I was trying to find this, I was trying to find this um, data point and I got the answer back and it was startling. And I was like, yo guys, this, uh, we're, we're in big trouble. And uh, I showed it to the CTO and he was like, you fucking joined it wrong. Like this isn't <laughs> this isn't right information. And I was like, oh. And so that was a valuable lesson for me. But I'm I'm a little too punchy on when I feel like something big has happened. And you know, it, so that that's me saying I I don't know if I would necessarily be the right fit for a role like this. But I love the components of this type of role. Yeah, but but you've also learned that yeah. lesson and now right. you're less likely to do that. No, I'm still like, I get very excited when I learn things. It, well, uh, yeah, yes. But it's like a battle, you know? And like, who wants to just battle? Like, I mean, how much of, uh, this is something that I've tried, like started realizing in my like age is a lot of the stuff that we do is partially like, cause we're good at it. You know, we're like, nat it's something that we're like naturally, uh, capable of and then we can also learn new things but that's I think that would be a constant battle but I don't know if you feel like there's anything like that for you Justin where you're enjoying this but there's certain like regular battles that you're having to have to constantly balance out the role that you have yeah I, I think there's definitely a piece that comes more naturally to me which is the data analytics and 
jumping into spreadsheets and pulling data, presenting, like formatting it in a way that's like, Hey, this chart tells the story that I would expect it to tell the line goes mm -hmm. up or whatever. Um, the, I think for me, the, and it is, was like validating, I guess, to hear you both say like, oh yeah, you were like so good at doing this, uh, you know, influencing so and decision, like mm -hmm. getting folks to a decision. That's definitely the part that I've struggled with the most in like, that's not what comes naturally to me. And it's, it's a, it's a mm. skill that you can learn. And I apparently learned over time, but, <laughs> um, you know, still something that I think every, you know, every time I do a presentation like that, there's, you know, a sense of nervousness or what if someone mm. knows something that I don't and this whole thing falls apart because they, you know, found the the smoking gun or whatever. It's a good reminder that the things that we think that we're maybe battling against other people see us as doing well with. Right. Because like, from the outside, you seem very calm about it. Like, I think that calming presence also kind of instills a lot of confidence. And so it yes. like, especially in like the, the, what you're presenting. And so I don't know, you could have fooled us. I mean, you did fool yeah. us, I guess. You did because you kept on gladiatoring those meetings, just thumbs up, thumbs down. <laughs> just like, what's Justin gonna say? That's gonna be the law of the land. Uh, we need we need a different different analogy than that. I know that was really brutal. Well, because no, I haven't seen the movie, <laughs> I just know the the meme. Um, I'll I'll workshop it. Um, okay, so we're kind of coming towards the end. So we usually like to do a couple of lightning round questions. And then we're going to get into career advice. And Joyce, I'll have you introduce it because this is your a new segment, hot, fun new segment. But um, for now, let's do uh, lightning round. So these are just like quicker questions with quicker answers. Uh, I have something on deck, and yeah, then Joyce it. and I can just popcorn back and forth. So, how important is what it is that your business is selling or a part of to you as a part mm. of you being involved, like being interested in the work that you're doing? Uh, it's something that I intentionally sought out with my current mm. company. Um, mm -hmm. The prior place was not necessarily an industry that I saw myself in when I was younger. And so mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I think still, you know, can be successful in that role without having that direct tie, but it definitely helps, especially you know, on if there are longer hours or, a you know, tight deadline being, having that extra bit of motivation being aligned with the product yeah. is really helpful. That's a good point. Yeah. Joyce. Okay. My question is. If, okay, um, if like business intelligence wasn't a thing, <laughs> and I know that's kind of a weird world to think about, but like if that wasn't a thing, what would you be doing instead of this? Man, I wish I had a cool answer. Like <laughs> I would turn one of my hobbies into a career like I'd be a professional snowboarder or something, but that's nice. not, not good enough for that. So <laughs> I would, 
either have stayed kind of on the more technical path and been a you know semiconductor process engineer mm-hmm. kind of person or mm-hmm. I don't know in this business intelligence list world does consulting still exist like via sort ah. of parallel like uh-huh. data field that has the like conclusion strategy influencing aspect mm-hmm. um but yeah, probably one of those more technical components. And as an Great. add-on to Joyce's question, because you did the extra year on entrepreneurship, would you ever – do you have any interest in running your own business? Oh, my gosh. That was my question too. I love it. Oh, Go I'm for sorry. it. No, I love uh, it. So I took a, a couple months between roles and I was exploring starting my own <gasps> company uh and kind of got to a rough market rough idea uh had a tough time kind of getting the economics to pencil in a way that made mm-hmm. sense and found a company that was doing something similar to what I was exploring mm-hmm. and ended up mm-hmm. joining forces with with them um and i think in that process I've also learned that I, I'm a better employee than founder. I think there are mm. certain hmm. skills that a founder needs to have that I don't. And that's not to say that like someone with similar personality traits as myself would never be able to be a successful founder. But I just, I don't love public speaking and being the like, center of attention. And that's like, just naturally what happens when you're the founder of the company, you walk into the room, everyone stops and looks at you. And mm-hmm. that's, you know, not a place that I'm as comfortable. I, I will say though, that I, I'm always intrigued by people that don't seek that spotlight in those positions, because they often are very compelling leaders because they, you know, there's the background of um, them wanting to push something forward. But I, I something that I felt with entrepreneurship or founding a company is we, we I know we, we look at it differently, but being so analytical about the business, it feels like it's really hard to overcome just the hard facts about and kind of like the dreary facts about running a, a business. Because as a founder, you have to sometimes be oblivious to those things to push ahead. And I wonder if that, do you see that as like being a difficult component of if you were ever to be a founder to, I don't know, like disassociate from the reality of some of the more like harrowing things with the data? Um, I guess it, it I'm going to change how I phrase this. Uh, it depends. Does it no, depend, Justin? It does not depend on <laughs> does not there are depend. if there are like you know, most startups do not just have the like rosy paved path. Mm-hmm. So like th- those situations will come up. For me, it's less about like having to make that difficult decision with the data that's been presented like Mm -hmm. that's something that I still have to face if Mm -hmm. you know the market is turning and uh you know prices are falling so like it's going to impact our business like that's 
still a decision that I would be involved in. Mm-hmm. There's just like, it's the, the rest of running a company, like needing to like work closely with HR and legal and like these other kind of compliance realms that takes you away from the strategy and the data, hmm. like the, the actual kind of stuff that I enjoy doing would get diluted when you're in charge of the entire thing. Not to hype Mm. you up even more, but I mean, even in our last company we worked at, um, you really pushed for like people management and training. And so you did have kind of a knack for that too, of like the people side. Uh, I mean, it's, it's something that I do feel passionately about like being able to develop people, but yeah, I guess it's different. Yeah, there's there's a lot of other things that go with it that maybe are less don't strike as much of a chord. Totally, um, Joyce. I have one more quick question. Uh, do you yep. have any more? Nope. Go for it. Okay, this is actually a question that I got from someone else. I uh, I asked a friend. It's like, hey, I'm interviewing um, a business analyst later today. I'm like, what's a question you would ask a business analyst? And they said the question that they have is, if you go woke, do you go broke? Uh, <laughs> so wait, Joyce, are you familiar with this concept? If you go woke, do you go broke? No. It's just – and Justin, we could totally cut this segment if this is too like hot button, but it's this like Twitter, Twittery thing where it's like if companies – do woke things, they go broke. And so it's just like a talking point on I, one side of the fence. Yeah. I, I don't think that that's necessarily the case. Like you, you can be woke and rake in the dough. I know. <laughs> come up with the rhyme there, but um, you know, the, I mean, there's, I, I'm trying to think of like a good example of a company, but in uh, in school, we talked about the, you know, triple bottom line and like, you can be a profitable business and also do good for the world. Um, so I, I, I think there are, I don't think, you know, you, you going woke does not mean you go broke. No. You heard, you heard it here, folks. Yeah. Uh, it's Twitter, long. you Just can, you it. It's yeah, and as we know, thumbs, he's the gladiator. Down thumbs down. Thumb, thumb direction that it's supposed to go. <laughs> yeah, uh, you can direct any uh, follow-ups to Justin uh, if you. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but you know, I mean, it's the thing you were saying. Like, I can't think of an example. I think sometimes when it's subtly done, but it's still being done, you you don't necessarily notice it, but it's with you know, the right intentions, inclusivity, and, you know, doing good for the world, but it's just not necessarily obvious, but. Right. If your only value add is the wokeness that like that in itself Mm -hmm. does not make you a successful business, but if you can have a core product and, you know, layer in some other things that I think you know, is, can be a successful recipe. Okay. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll mm-hmm. workshop the, the alternative rhyming language of if you go woke, you 
insert rhyme where you make a lot of money. Um, we'll think about See, what this. That this is. is this is a opportunity for Chat GPT. Oh yeah, my, exactly. Okay, I will actually do that later. Um, <laughs> Joyce, would you like to intro your segment? Yeah, definitely. Okay, so this is a new segment that we're experimenting with, but um, it's about career advice. So what we'll do is we'll go around the group and each one of us shares a piece of career advice that resonates with them, whether it be something that they heard like many years ago and have held on to or something that they were reminded of more recently um, and is top of mind. So we can go around the group. I will start with Jen. I, I have something, yeah. I was just thinking about this. Uh, one of my earlier bosses, he said something that really resonated with me. It was that you didn't have to be an expert at everything, which I sometimes felt like I had to. But the way he put it is you still need to be dangerous. So it was this idea that, yeah, you don't need to like have a – a degree and being able to write SQL, but like, are you dangerous enough to write a little bit of it? Are you dangerous enough to know a little bit of everything? And that puts you in a good position to be more compelling. So I, I always really like that. That's a good one. Yeah. I think, um, I can go next. Um, I think the, the career advice that's kind of like drumming in my head right now, that actually like just in our conversation, on, just on this podcast episode um, has has kind of like reminded me as well is just like I think there is a lot of value in going deep. Um, the breath is great as well, but I think that um, that balancing that depth and that breath, I think that people talk about that like that T shape, um, and uh, and so I think the career advice that I'm kind of thinking about is like the balance of that and how that is constantly fluctuating. There have been periods in my career that I've gone very deep and there have been periods in my career that I've gone very wide. And I think that's always going to be kind of like a in flux. And so um, I guess the, the career advice is to, is to be mindful and intentional about that of um, the balance between depth and breath uh, in a way that is maybe like more timely for whatever circumstance or environment that you're in, um, depending on like the company that you're working at, the type of responsibilities you have and maybe other things going on in the world. Um, so that's kind of top of mind for me. Uh, what about you, Justin? What's your yeah. career advice? Yeah, I guess just to, to build on that before I jump into my kind of completely different career advice is, mm -hmm. you know, you, you talked about sort of the environment and I, I think it, even within the same day, having yeah. that breadth and that depth can be really, really helpful, you know, depending on the personalities in a particular meeting, yes. you might have to be the one to go a little bit deeper and then ask those extra questions and get the kind of uh, wheels turning with the group. And mm -hmm. then in other situations, maybe you're being the voice of the customer and of marketing and of two or three other stakeholders and doing that breath when, you know, they may not be present for that conversation. So yeah, having Absolutely. that ability to, to flex between both and um, I think is, is really helpful. Um, for me, I, I'd say the kind of being 
inquisitive and kind of approaching problems with an open mind is is something that has really benefited me throughout my career. Um, mm-hmm. Just, you know, the the answer is is in the data. Um, and, you know, you jumping to that conclusion too quickly. And Jen, I know you shared your, your example where, uh-huh. you know, if you're, uh, I'm guessing the like info that you pulled that sort of like validated a p- hypothesis that you had mm-hmm. and you were like, okay, this is like confirmation and, and just really ran with it. Um, but taking that extra step and, and really trying to stress test um, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, serve, ends up serving you well in the long run. Yeah. Awesome. Yay. Great career well, okay. advice. It, I mean, it, extraordinary. And I also, and I want to say that I did this separately beyond us all talking about it. So I was paying attention, but um, I did actually chat GBT alternative phrasing for the woke sentiment. So I have mm-hmm. three alternatives for us to consider. Mm-hmm. Um, that is, um, if you go woke, you make money. So the three that rhyme are embrace the woke, watch your fo- fortune evoke, um, mm. embrace the woke, see your profits spoke. And then the last one is go woke, bankrolls, no joke. So those are just three options if you like to use them. Justin, which one do you like? Uh, I think I think they're all excellent. You know, the... <clears throat> data-driven approach would be to, to do some testing, get a poll out there and see, you know, what, what the world resonates with. Love that. We'll ask our listeners. All right. Well, (laughs) yeah. Vote. And also tell us if you're, uh, where you're listening because we can't log into any of our systems that tell us, uh, what our listenership is. Um, Justin, it was so great catching up with you and talking to you about your career. I, I, I just, I, I always really like looked up to you at uh, where we worked. And so it was really cool to be able to hear a little bit more about what went into your career and just general thoughts about that. Yeah, it's it's really great catching up with you both. Uh, This has been a lot of fun. Thanks, Justin. All right. Well, Joyce and I will be from talking with our friend Justin about business intelligence, business analysts, Joyce, debrief. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think I think the standout for me is that like it sounds so exciting. It sounds so like satisfying and rewarding. It does. And something that really stood out to me in that conversation something that holds me back from a lot of these jobs is the idea that there's a personality trait within me that doesn't necessarily fit Mm. and, or something that I know about myself that I think would be an uphill battle. Mm -hmm, But mm -hmm. even talking to Justin about like where we're just like, oh my God, you like, you were always so good at the compelling argument case. And that was maybe something that he didn't necessarily feel all the time, like the strongest at. And so it's a good reminder that the things that we don't necessarily see as our strengths, others see as strengths. And it's so we just need to kind of balance that out and not be so hard on ourselves. That, exactly. Because 
Because I jumped to conclusions. I mean, I gave that one example, but I, I, I'm just a little too like popcorny about things, and I think that that's going to be a problem if I ever wanted to do something like this. But I think ultimately, it's it might not be, you know. But don't you feel like there's always going to be something like that? Like, like there's <laughs> like like even if I think about like every role that I've been in. I don't know that there was one where um, there was absolutely none of that. Like absolutely none of that, like feeling like you have to push uphill in some aspect. No, I think you're right. And honestly, you saying that is making me realize, you know, what I do right now, I feel like I have a good sense of it. I'm good at it. But honestly, in the day-to-day, there's still some things I struggle with. Um, Mm -hmm. I I don't always – uh, do arguments well. Mm-hmm. I'm not always very compelling with that. Uh, <laughs> and I mean, it doesn't stop me. So it's, you know, it's, um, I think there's the fear of the unknown when you couple things that you're excited about with things that you know that you are maybe not naturally good at. And it's just scary, scary. Yeah. Than, well, you know. I think, I think, it's it's a combination of like things that you are naturally good at and then things you want to get better at, right? Because like the areas mm-hmm. where you, it, you, it's not as natural, you still need to invest that effort. Um, mm-hmm. And hopefully that is aligned with like something that you do want to grow in. Otherwise, it's just going to be extra hard to like mm-hmm. not only like build the new skill that you don't have, but also build like muster up the energy to want to do that. Um, mm-hmm. because I feel like, I feel like to me, burnout happens with that misalignment more so than level of effort. Like it's more about yeah. like, not, it's not about how, like how, how many hours are you working? Like, are, like, are you, um, are like, yeah, it's not about quantity. Um, I feel like it's more about the quality of like, does this feel aligned? Like, is this something that you actually want to be doing and getting better at? Because if not, then that's – it's just one of those things, like you said, that you're going to constantly have to deal with and it's never going to be rewarding because you're just forcing yourself to do it. That's that's such a good point. I mean, I do think that burnout does have a lot to do with putting your energies into a black hole that just – you know, it goes away. Like, Because I'm thinking – I am obsessed with Excel sheets, and I mm. should be clear, Google Sheets. I don't know how to use Excel for the <laughs> most part, but I love Google Sheets. I, I could just spend hours tinkering with it. And to me, it's all – it's energy expended, but I feel like mm-hmm. I'm getting energy back. But mm-hmm. it's those things that you're – it's energy expended. Like there's a an equation where if it's energy expended, but it's just literally fizzling away – Right. If that if most of what you do is that, that's where burnout comes from. Yeah, exactly. I'm honestly, assuming, I think I don't know. Honestly, Jen, I feel like I feel like you could totally go down this path of like leaning into that like metric side, that like Google Sheets like like curiosity side. Like I could totally see you going down this path and like loving it because like you're like ever since we worked together, like I've always seen you as being very like metrics driven. And mm-hmm. really, like, 
wanting to to get your get your hands in that and um and so I feel like you could be great in this path. I would really like it, I think. And I mean, I'm not I'm not mincing words. I always looked up to Justin and Oh yeah, I, same. And to the point where I was just like, oh, that would be so cool. And like I want to I want to hold the power of data. And I, I I always thought it was maybe coming from the wrong place because it was um oh, I don't think people are listening to me and if I just had the data oh. better, I would, you know, I would be more but I don't think that that's necessarily it. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but um I don't know. I mean, Joyce, I feel like you're kind of similar. I mean, we all gravitated towards similar projects, the three of us. Like, is this <laughs> yeah. something that you think you would do? I think there's there's something like um, I, I actually wanted – I was curious about um, how – well, like his – Justin's engineering background shows. And I think that that is, mm-hmm. that is something that like I can really resonate with and connect with mm-hmm. and um, – and, I think that because of that shared, um, I, like background, I guess, um, there's a lot that he talks about that I'm like, oh yeah, oh yeah, like that. That makes a ton of sense. Like that's something that would be like super exciting. Um, I, yeah, I think there's a lot that resonates. I don't know exactly how well I do because I think about how when Justin and I would partner on projects together, like it was awesome because it felt like, it felt like we could divide and conquer, but also we were on the same page about a lot mm-hmm. of things. Um, so in that yeah. aspect, I feel like there was probably something there that like allowed us to yeah. be more of like a balance of skills as opposed to like both of us being like super deep in the weeds and like the metrics and such. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I also think it's really important to remind ourselves that when comparing ourselves to someone that is years years into a career, that it's really hard to gauge like where we would be if we had that many years under our belt mm-hmm, uh, in a particular mm-hmm. career. Because mm-hmm. I remember even like with performing, um, I was just talking to someone about this the other day. I would give up on trying new things because sometimes I would be mm. on shows trying like to do characters and stuff and I would just kind of bomb and everyone else on the show would do really well. But at the same time, these people that have been doing the show, they've been doing it for years and I've just mm-hmm. done it once and all of a sudden I'm, I'm expecting myself to be in the same league. And so it's something to remind like if this is something that you want to do – you know, it's it's easy to get discouraged thinking like, oh, well, <laughs> you know, I I could see myself not being as good. I think it just takes time. Uh, I agree. But it also – it takes time, but it also takes motivation of wanting to do it. Because right. if it's just like, fuck it, like, you know, that's that's my biggest problem is mm-hmm. I, I sometimes gravitate toward the things where I'm like, fuck it. Am I good at it or am I not? And then, you know mm. – I see. I see. Move from there. Yeah, but we're we're definitely fans of Justin here. <laughs> um, side note, I because uh, now I have Chat GPT up just as we're doing the podcast, and um, I I I asked it, where does burnout come from? 
And it's a long ass uh, response. And it just said burnout is a complex phenomenon that typically arises from chronic stress and a prolonged state of emotional, mental, and physical exhaustion. But then it goes into like five points. But anyways, I'm just saying that, um, you know, burnout is fucking real. (laughs) Yep. Yep. I don't know. I think this drink is hitting me. Um, Joyce, I was actually thinking, and I'm just like putting it out there for listeners. What would be really cool is if someone sponsored us and we don't even need money, but if they could just like send us like drinks that we can try while we're doing the (laughs) podcast and we can talk about them, coffee, drinks, I think that that would be just super dope. That would be fun. Please send me the non-alcoholic ones and I'd be all in. Send me the alcoholic ones. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I it did feel uh, di- unbalanced uh because I'm I'm the one that does the sippy sippy on the podcast. But um all right, Joyce, should we call it? Yeah, let's wrap. All right. Well, as always, this has been So What Do You Do? I am one of your hosts, Jen and I'm Joyce. We got Joyce over here. And we will see you next time.